You're listening to the Creating Your Own Path podcast, episode number 98. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jen Snyder, and as always, you can listen to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast app. You can also catch a new episode each week at creatingyourownpath.com. I'm happy to be back with one more interview in our retail segment, and today I am chatting with Ginger Elizabeth Hahn of Ginger Elizabeth Chocolates. And after years of being a loyal customer of the shop, which is located in Midtown Sacramento, I am thrilled to have her on the show. In the interview recorded at her workshop, which smells amazing, by the way, we talk about Ginger's past and how it shaped her love for food. We also discuss the realities of going to culinary school and the many, many jobs Ginger took on before starting her own business. I think what struck me most during this interview is the way Ginger made things happen, even when she was stuck in that sort of business catch-22 where you need startup capital to launch something, but you also need to launch something successful in order to get startup capital. It happens all the time. I also really appreciated her honesty about the challenges she's worked through as her business has grown, her dedication to quality in both her products and her team, and her ability to see both the big picture and the finer details of her work all at the same time. Okay, let's get to Ginger's interview. So for those listening who maybe aren't familiar with your story or as familiar as I am, (laughs) can you share a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today? Yes, I can. Um, I don't know where to start because it goes back pretty far. That's Um, okay. I would love to hear some random childhood story that I don't know about. (laughs) Yes, well, um, you know, I grew up in Camino, California, and I grew up with you know, not very many neighbors surrounding me. We grew up in the country um, in, on a couple of acres. It was wonderful. And, um, you know, I kind of had that childhood where you take your dog down to the pond and um, pick blackberries and, and that sort of thing. And because of that, I, I think that had a lot to do with why I even started in this business in the first place. You know, when you are able to go and pick blackberries down, you know, at a pond Mm -hmm. and your mom makes them into something indescribably delicious. Um, I just always thought that was really interesting and it it made me fall in love with food. Yeah. And so fast forward a little bit, you know, when did you decide to make it a career choice? I'm going to say when I was about 14. 15. Okay. You know, when I, um, kind of around that time uh, of the blackberry picking and just childhood, I um, baked bread with my grandmother a lot. And I um, started becoming very self-sufficient in the kitchen. So I started learning about yeasted doughs and I started doing them myself. I used to pretend to be Julia Child for oh. my sisters. <laughs> and I used to pretend to put on cooking shows and things like that. Um, but you know, by the time I think I was 15, I started getting, um, pretty serious about cooking. I thought I was going to open a restaurant. I I didn't know I was going to be a pastry chef, funny enough. Um, but I always did pastry at home, but I also cooked. So, um, I didn't, and and then when I got older, it became a, a bakery. 
you know. Oh, the restaurant that you were going to open turned into a bakery. Turned into a bakery. Ah. So, and that started around more like 16 or 17. So there was a time in there where I always wanted to open up something, a cafe, a restaurant, whatever, and then just kind of evolved from there. And I used to watch TV show, you know, cooking shows that they even had. We didn't really have cable. Right. Um, but um, anything that I could get my hands on, you know, I watched. And when I was 16, I went to a summer camp at the Culinary Institute of America in Napa uh-huh. for a week. And that was it. You know, I was like, I'm going to the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park and I'm going to do pastry there. And that's what I'm going to do. After that, I went into this, um, it was called Tony Matthews. It was a kitchen store up in Placerville. And I didn't, they, they said the word ramekin. And I didn't know what a ramekin was. It wasn't something that was in everyone's house back then. You know, so I was like, I was like, oh man, I, I don't know very much about cooking. You know, even though I do it at home whenever I can, I think I should, um, I think I should go learn how to cook culinary school first. And then I'm going to go go to the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park. We, I went to school before reality television. Right. So um, I think because of reality television, cooking has gotten a lot more popular. You know, culinary schools have been expanding. More more people have been, you know, opening up schools and, and that kind of thing. So, But I was, I was lucky at the time to have that really strict program because it, I felt like that's what you need to really get through this industry and understand it. So, I mean, it was so strict. I mean, you had to be in roll call at 6 a.m. If you weren't, you got sent home. If you were even 30 seconds late, you would get sent home. If you got sent home two times in one semester, you'd have to redo your entire semester. Wow, that is really strict. So they didn't care if you were sick. I mean, because that's what it takes, though. I mean, it's a lot of hard work to be successful in this industry and be competitive. Um, But, yeah, when... um, and if you did weren't wearing your your black belt, you you'd have to you have to show your black belt, your black socks, your neckerchief, your hat. Like if you didn't have all those things, or if your uniform was dirty, any of those things would get you sent home. Right. Well, and what's interesting is that's what it's like in real life. Mm-hmm. You know. To- yeah. I think that's what it's like. It was like in real life in New York City restaurants, maybe not in California. Oh, really? Okay. It's a little more relaxed out here. Um, And things are a little more relaxed in general, but it was, I mean, things have gotten more relaxed, but it's, it's very strict and it was good because I did work in New York City restaurants. So it was, it was really good for me to go through that. Yeah. And, and then, you know, from there, but see, it was a culinary school. But, um, so I did all the cooking, I did cooking there, but then all my jobs were pastry. Okay. So So you were still heading in that direction. Yes. Okay. I knew I wanted to go to pastry school. Okay. So I have questions about kind of the paths that are available after culinary school. Can you speak to that just a little bit? Like what are the career options for a formally trained chocolatier or, or pastry chef or Mm -hmm. anything like that? How do you know what's out there. So when I went to Culinary Institute of America, you study pastry and within pastry, there's a lot of different avenues. Um, and I, my jobs that I had were both in chocolate after school and I would bake bread before school. Mm. So those are some avenues, but we had, you know, there's wedding cakes you can get into. There's individual pastry. There's, um, you know, doing play to desserts in a restaurant, um, chocolate tier, ice cream maker, the list goes on. 
you know, but there, those are some kind of, or, you know, making chocolates. Those are some, you know, some of the larger avenues, obviously. And then bread, bread baking, vinoiserie, breakfast pastry kind of, kind of thing. So we did all of that at pastry, you know, you do little, you dabble in all of it at pastry school. Okay. What you have to do after that is go work under people depending on what you want to do. So I had, you know, I had friends or colleagues that went to, you know, restaurants and they wanted to learn that mainly. And, you know, there's different, there are different things that, you know, you could do. Some people went off and were able to go learn how to do, you know, competition pieces and, and kind of go down that avenue. Wait, there's competition, like there's competitions just for pastry? Um, yes. I know yeah. there are reta- reality TV shows. No, but. there's real competitions and they normally take place in Europe and there's one in, one or two in America. Um, but they are, um, you know, they, they're just kind of a different avenue of pastry. It's mm-hmm. not something that necessarily makes money, but it's something that if you're in a hotel that you could definitely dabble in. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. So you said, you know, people could work in a restaurant under other people or you can work for a hotel Mm-hmm. I guess a hotel restaurant or, or mm-hmm. you could do catering, you could do all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And so my question, I guess, to you is what ultimately made you decide to, to kind of go with the retail mm-hmm. um, side of things? Because I know you do a lot of other things, but, but that brick and mortar shop is your, that's your flagship. That's your calling card a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so what made you decide to open your own shop? Let's see. So start from the beginning. I worked, I have worked since, since I was 14. So here we go. I have coffee shop, um, a, mass, a big catering company, then grocery store, um, high-end grocery store bakery. Done that. I've worked in uh, Ritz-Carlton. So I've worked in hotel. I've done chocolate shop. I've done like cake factories. I've done eight, one cake factory where you literally just um, frost all day long. Wow. Um, I've done, I've worked for an independent wedding um, cake decorator. And I normally held multiple jobs at once and I stayed at all of them for a long time. I worked in uh, restaurants, so plated desserts. I've worked in um, hotel restaurant doing buffet, room service, plated desserts, and banquets. Learning all those things. I, I've worked in a cupcake um, bakery. Uh, so I, um, I've worked, I work, used to work at the Culinary Institute of America at the Apple Pie Bakery. So we did um, breads. I also used to do the bread bake on Saturdays uh, there as well. So I, I did um, some bread. Anyways, I, 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 I always wanted to open a business, but I ended up getting into chocolate because after dabbling in wedding cakes and bread, all of the things, I, <laughs> I liked the science of chocolate. Okay. I liked chocolate the best. And, um, there's something that intrigued me about it mainly because you could learn something every day until you're 80 and not know even, you know, a third of it. And um, so I think, you know, from every, anything from the agriculture to the production of, to the, to the really fine details of um, creating fine pastry and sculptures and all that really fascinates me. So I, I stuck with chocolate. And then since I always wanted to be a business owner, my father was an entrepreneur and I always wanted to be. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to do retail. I opened up my first chocolate company was wholesale so it wasn't retail okay 
So I did that for two years, and then I got my retail. And so, you know, you said you were always kind of heading in the direction of being an entrepreneur. And so the jump from wholesale to retail, what was, what was that like? I mean, were people saying, you know, you really need to open a shop? <laughs> yeah, I was, you know, I was sampling at the Nugget, and I was selling here and selling there, and I... I just, I didn't want to do that anymore. You know, I mean, we have a very time-sensitive product. And I also, we wanted to make macarons. I, I, you know, I always had a fascination for macarons, even before they came trendy in this country. It was, it was interesting. I, I, I just wanted to do it. I, I don't know if people were telling me. I, the ultimate goal was that anyways. It, it, I had to open, I had to open a wholesale company because basically I didn't, I didn't have any money. So uh, I got a $2,500 credit card from U.S. Bank, <laughs> and I, you know, um, I bought three bowls. I bought um, a Cambro, and I bought, which is like a, store, like a little storage container, and I bought two spatulas and a few chocolate molds. Okay. And... That got you started. That got me started, but the, this, you know, but I, I always did it because banks always want to see that you're open for two years before they loan you money. Right. So, Which is hard when you need the money to open the store. Yeah. yeah. So I had to do, you know, whatever I could to, um, to get started. Mm -hmm. And then I had made enough money selling that, you know, selling to different stores and doing the wholesale that um, we were able to get a loan. That's awesome. And actually mm -hmm. get the startup capital to open the storefront. Mm -hmm. Because the storefront, just for people listening, it's in a, a high profile part of town. I mean, it's so like the rent ain't cheap, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? No. So I could see how, how that would be um, a smart avenue to take in order yeah. to make that happen. Uh, speaking of the part of town, you know, I'm, I'm curious, the storefront is in Midtown Sacramento. Did you ever think of opening somewhere else? Was that ever a consideration or did you kind of, how did you choose, I guess, the location for the storefront? When I went to go do my wholesale company, I talked to Patrick Mulvaney and he has a, a, he has a restaurant now, but he had a catering company at the time. And I asked him, I'm like, can I rent a table? Can I rent some space from you? So he let me rent some space from him. And, um, and that's kind of where I started the business. And I was around a developer um, named Satiri, who was um, obviously a good customer of Patrick's. And he had a big development going on, Kitty mm -hmm. Corner, to, to where I was. And I um, wanted to go in, in kind of one of the walk-up. I just wanted to do something oh. really small. I was right. just going to do something really small. Right. So there, there's like these apartment kind of kind of live workspaces on the side of our re of the retail. Mm -hmm. I was trying to get into one of those, and he found oh. out, oh. and he said, "No, we want you. We want you on the bottom floor. We want you on the main retail." Okay. So it was super stressful. It was a. It, it was a. It was. Um, it was like, really? And then it's like, what do I do? And what, what are TIs, which are tenant improvements? And what's HVAC? And I'm, you know, and, you know, all these, all these questions. But. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't realize that you were trying to do something a little bit smaller. But. And it was just cheaper rent. You know, it yeah, was just yeah. like something that I could handle. I, I wasn't, but it's good. I mean, it, it you know, I, it made me think big and I'm like, oh, maybe I can do this. And, you know, I had met my husband I met my husband, I started dating my husband right after I opened the wholesale company. Oh, okay. And he went to entrepreneur 
um, school in um, at USC mm. at the Marshall School of Business. So mm-hmm. he had his degree in it. So we sat down and we wrote a business plan and the banks liked it. And so we got enough capital and money to open up the, the retail space. You yeah. know, it's just, it was, it was crazy. It wasn't, it wasn't my original idea, but it was, it was nice. I, I'm glad we did it. Well, it's turned out really well for you. I, I, I remember being 26 and I had to go sign the lease. Mm-hmm. And I, I had night sweats. I thought I was signing my life away. It was, it was weird. I, I, f- I was pretty young, you know. And that is young. Yeah. So, or no, I was 25 okay. because I, um, we had to, we obviously signed the lease. So I was like 25, and I just remember having these night sweats before we signed the lease because I didn't know what I was getting myself into. But I thought yeah. I, I knew, you know, like I just, I never doubted myself. Yeah, and it sounds like you sort of had a vision of what it could be, even if maybe like your nerves, they haven't caught up with you yet at that Mm -hmm. point. Um, When you were going through that process, I'm curious, how did you handle that kind of on the emotional side of things? How did you deal with that? Did you just, I mean, I I would eat a lot of chocolate is what I would do. (laughs) I was fine. I just wanted to work, you know, and I, I, um, I, I quit my day job only three months before the shop opened where I was working a lot of hours at. So I was up at 4 a.m. going to bed, you know, at 11. But I didn't have kids then. And I just felt like I could rule the world. And now, now things are different. I've been humbled. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I was pretty cocky, confident. I don't know what the word was, but I didn't have anything standing in my way. And I could work as many hours as I needed. And I could just get, you know. Get stuff done. Yeah. 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 Which is, I mean... I guess that's the right season of life to do something like that, right? Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was good. That's awesome. So, uh, you know, I've already kind of said it a few times, but I'm a ridiculously loyal customer. I love your chocolates. Um, But customers like me, they, you know, we tend to only see what's happening in the front of the house, if you will. So I'm on that side of the, the case of macarons and chocolates. And, you know, I'm, I'm always curious about what's happening behind the scenes a little bit. And so it, can you talk just a little bit about your business operation? So, you know, you said you went from wholesale to retail. Do you still do some wholesale? You know, I'm curious, you, I know you do some special order type things uh, specifically around the holidays and you do special promotions. So like how, what are your, kind of what are your revenue streams? You know, you've got the retail side. What are, what other things do you do to keep your business? Well, it's healthy? mainly the, mainly the retail is our big stream of revenue, but we have corporate and we have, um, you know, we have wed- wedding favors, but that's still cons- for me considered retail. Let's see, we do some wholesale. We wholesale our bars, okay. our dessert bars. So we do wholesale um, on a small level. And then we also have an online store, mm-hmm. which is great. And that's pretty, pretty busy, but you know, yeah, everything, mainly everything's coming from the retail side. Okay. okay you know, you've had this business for a while. Like you said, it's, it's been several years. You signed away your life at age 25. And so your business has grown a lot. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm guessing that you've had to sort of step away from certain elements of the business so that you can do more big picture, you know, strategy or planning for the future or, you know, planning new lines that you want to develop. Um, and so how have you managed that shift? Because I know that entrepreneurs, especially when you, you know, you start from the ground up here, you've just got some bowls and some molds and you're just doing wholesale and now you've 
you've made it all the way here. So how did you handle that shift? Was that hard for you? Has it been an issue or was it pretty easy? Um, I, I still am in the kitchen. Yeah. I can't, you know what I mean? Like, yes, I will have days where I have a lot of paperwork and stuff like that. I'm, I'm still a big control freak and I'm still in the kitchen. We have, there's a few things. Um, my husband runs a business with me. So he runs all the business side of things. Um, so I don't have to do that. So what I do, I have, I have my things that I do and he has his things that he does. And what he does allows me to be in the kitchen and be quality control and be um, doing R&D for the next event or the next product that's coming out. Um, we have had Allison Clevenger is, has been with us. She's our executive pastry chef. She's been with us for nine years. Yeah. You know, and she, she um, so she knows me well. She knows what I'm looking for. We also have my kitchen as a manager here at the warehouse. Um, uh, or uh, She has been with us for five years. Okay. So we have a really, really strict um, training schedule that people have to pass. <laughs> Normally, you have to do things four times before you get signed off on it to do it by yourself. Okay. And when you say things, what sort of things are we talking about? Making anything from chocolate chip cookie dough to making, um, and those are the most, more simpler things. So like making a batch of marshmallows, you know, any, anything, shortbread, um, yeah, cookies, buttercreams, jams, you know, actually, actually jams is kind of a different story. I still, I still make all the jam. Okay. Along with one other person here. And I still do a lot of enrobing. Um, but I have a lot of help, but like I said, we have, crazy training um, manuals and the hardest thing is when we opened our workshop so we opened our workshop three years ago and um, before that we had a kitchen in behind our retail you know in our retail space there it was really small it is small you and can actually just for those listening you can see it from the front yeah. of the house mm -hmm. which is I always thought was super cool but it, it's not big no it's not big it was like 600 square feet uh, or I'm sorry it's 400 square feet and then the front part's 200 square feet so you know we were producing a huge amount of food out of a tiny little kitchen and it was really 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 hard and we had off-site units that we had to go travel to um, daily or multiple times a day to grab things from packaging. It was it was really tough. So we had to get a, a, a workshop. And so we, um, we got a workshop. And um, the hardest thing for me was not being in the back overseeing all the employees ring people up because I used to be, you know, making paste, making macarons, doing whatever. And I could watch customer service because mm -hmm. there's a glass Mm -hmm. There's a big glass yeah. window or whatever. Yeah. So I'm like, I could watch. I could see people's reactions. I could see if someone was struggling with something. And it's like, that was the hardest thing, you know? And, and, and now we have, it was a transition of finding the right person to run, general manager to run our shop. That was a challenge. But I'll tell you what, that whole process made me learn a lot of things. And it made us better. And we have one of the, be the best general manager I could have even hoped for. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, and you know, you talked a lot about like training manuals and systems. You it seems like you've put a lot of systems in place so that you could step away from things and feel okay about it, which I think is really important. 
Yeah, and even under some managers, I didn't still feel okay. I, I had to function. I have, I have three children. I, I had to let go a little bit, knowing that things were going to be okay. But I'm a stickler on customer service. You know, and when I hear, you know, if I ever, we don't get complaints maybe, but one, we get, you know, one a year maybe something, you know, then accident happens or something happens and, you know, we got to deal with it. But um, and I don't know. Now, now I feel good. We have a restaurant, an ex-restaurant manager in there now. And that was the key. That is what mm. we needed. And I feel very comfortable stepping away now. Yeah. And because, you know, but I'm in my... Because I am in our workshop every day and I get to see the food and I get to make the food, you know, and I get to make, and I get to make sure everything's going over there perfectly. Mm-hmm. So I think that's super important. And I have to trust that the customer service is going to be tippy top. Yeah. In tippy top shape because of who I have in there over, overseeing it. Right. Now. And we just grew the, to the next level and have a really amazing assistant manager so it's just growing that base now I feel extra comfortable because we have two you know rock stars over there yeah you know great yeah that has to be kind of takes the load off (laughs) it does yeah you know Mm -hmm. yeah because when the product is so good you would hate for the miss to be just like interpersonal skills and it can be because (laughs) you know I've eaten places with great food and I don't go back if I'm treated poorly right and so it's always been a focus for me, and that it's just been a no-brainer. And it's interesting that you ended up finding somebody who had worked in a in the restaurant industry versus just a retail a retail. That's yeah, great. it didn't work for us. And uh, there's too many elements of the restaurant mm-hmm. to our business mm-hmm. because we're half and half. Yeah. It's food, but it's retail, but then there's open food too, which are like the espresso drinks and, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, finding a good fit from, you know, um, it, it just, it, it definitely is that because when you have, you know, a re- you know, restaurant um, managers can, they have the bar to deal with. They have, you know, they have to, the bar, the back of the house, the front of the house, they, you know, expediting, they've got to have their hands on all the tables, water, this, this, and that is how our shop is like, are the bows being tied right? You know, is that, oh, does that European chocolate look thick enough? Did they bring it to the right temperature? Is whipped cream whipped enough? You know, where, you know, who's reloading the, the slices up front? Is that ribbon frayed? You know, yeah. it's just like, it's, it's hey, we need to restock up front. Yeah. yeah. It's like ma- macarons are low. Let's, you guys, someone just bought 20, you know, whatever we need to, you know, it's just, it's, you, it is so much like a restaurant in that way that we, we, we found um, a really nice fit. Well, and on, you know, I have seen the Instagram photos when you run certain promotions and lines are out the door. I mean, you have to be, have somebody who understands the fast paced nature of a restaurant industry. I would think you need someone who can walk into a room and see if someone is saying thank you in the corner of your eye. If the, if an employee on the other side of the room has their uniform on when Mm. you walk in, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it, it, it's these snap decisions and these kind of things that you're just born with these, the, you know, this, this kind of person that we, you know, that we need in there Mm -hmm. and they have to be able to see five things wrong, you know, or right. Mm-hmm. Right. But we always, we're always looking for the wrong things. Unfortunately, it's a little bit pessimistic in that way yeah. because we're, you know, just trying to fix things and make things yeah. better. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, uh, you just have to have really 
high attention to detail yeah, to make sure pretty much. everything yeah. is happening right Yeah, is there a cobweb up in the, in the chandelier today? You know? Don't come to my house now. <laughs> but it's like, but that's yeah. the thing. It's like, we don't see any, you know, we don't, it's all that stuff. Is there a piece? Oh, did someone litter? You know, like, oh, sure. Are we gonna? Can someone pick that? You know, pick that up. Yeah. You know, there's. Yeah. It's one of our cups, and I don't care if it's halfway blocked down the block. It looks bad if something is has your brand on it. Has my brand on it? Is on the ground? You know, like or a sticker, or whatever. So you see me. I I'm always picking up trash in front of the store, or you know, and yeah. we always swept. We always make sure the windows are clean. You know, there's yeah, there's there's a lot of work that goes into there. So that was for sure the hardest thing stepping away but I've had to after I've stepped away the last three years I've had to go back there's been months at a time where I've had to go back there and and be there because of the you know just things that have gone on even my husband and I were you know have both had to go tag team over there so you just as a business owner you you are where the business needs you and um but luckily right now I've been able to be in the kitchen making things better yeah which probably makes you pretty happy yeah yeah Mm -hmm. it sounds like that's your happy place Mm -hmm. a little bit okay you know you've you've gone over a lot of stuff that has a lot to do with kind of restaurant industry slash retail slash entrepreneurship and I'm curious because people who are listening they're in all different types of industries some of them are artists some maybe want to work with food in some way um and so do you have any advice for people who are just getting started or maybe something that you wish you knew way back when, when you signed your life away? <laughs> I have something that I call the three C's. Okay. If you're opening up a retail restaurant or brick and mortar, I don't care what it is, right? Okay. I call it the three C's. And I think if you have them and you do them correctly, I think you'll be successful. Um, but it takes a lot of hard work to do these. But clear concept is my number one thing. There are so many restaurants struggling because they don't have a clear concept. The minute, the second a customer walks in, they have to understand what it is. Not what kind of restaurant it is or something like that, but is it a restaurant? Is it a wine bar? Is it a lounge? Is it a bar? You know, like clear concept. What is your business exactly? You know, and If someone doesn't understand that, I think within like three seconds of stepping into your store, I think that's bad. Uh, um, I think it's, it's not great. How about that? Um, The other one would be capital. Mm -hmm. So working capital. Do you have working capital? Some people think um, I luckily had a tiny bit of working capital um, and I was lucky enough to always make enough money to pay my bills. I never had to touch that money. Um, and I'm very proud of that. But most types of rest, um, you know, businesses with high overhead need to. Um, we just had little staff, and um, you know, I had um, I was able to work you know a huge amount of hours, so we were able to pull that off. Mm-hmm. But capital is so important for people, especially if you know your equipment breaks down and and things like that, like the unexpected things that happen. Right. The other one is customer service. Why even bother? Right. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. You know, why even bother? Because it's, it's really going to affect you. Um, so, you, you know, customer service is super important. So on the business end of things, I'd say my three C's. On the kind of creative art side of things, I'd say um, I feel like if you really want to do something in life, that you can do it. 
You know, I mean, I think that what you put in, you get out to anything. I, I know that because I started this company on a $2,500 credit card. Yeah. And you worked and an I, insane amount of hours. To I, do would, what you did. I was in debt, um, about $30,000 from student loans at the time. And I had credit card debt as well, about $10,000 because um, I racked that up in Chicago. After I left school, mm-hmm. I, I, I lived in Chicago with too high a rent, not making enough money. Yeah. Um, I worked at the Ritz Carlton there right after school, but so, yeah, but it's, you know, it, um, I think there's just so many possibilities, but you have to be humble and you have to, um, start from the bottom or, and learn. But if you're want to open a business and you have, you've never worked in that industry, I would, I would tell you not to open that business. Mm, Interesting. So let's say you want to open a retail shop. Go work in a retail shop. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. You want to open a fabric store and you don't know how to sew, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a valid point. No, it, it is, yeah. but I'm, people do it. And it, and and I think people, a lot of people do it in the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. They don't understand. And I think that's why it is the, you know, it's it's the highest risk yeah. um, industry, I believe. Well, plus the overhead is just mm-hmm. astronomical, yeah. or it can be. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, yeah, that's really great advice. Um, and I think the humility aspect of what you just mentioned is really important. I went through a career change and I had to start at the bottom and that was really hard because I had already been in the workforce for a while. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think a lot of people who are listening can probably relate to that, that you know, you kind of know where you want to be, but you're not there yet because you're not as practiced or you haven't worked under somebody who knows what they're doing or had a mentor or whatever. And, um, and so that's really great advice. Well, you know, I know where to find your chocolates. Um, but will you tell listeners kind of where they can find you online if they wanted to purchase things online and then also your physical location? Can you just tell people where that is? Yeah. So our website is gingerelizabeth.com and our store is 1801 L street, suite 60, so it's on L Street in the middle of the block between 18th and 19th Street in Midtown Sacramento. Thank you, Ginger, for your time today. Thank you it. so much. Appreciate it. That was Ginger Elizabeth Hahn, my friends. I know many of you do not live in Sacramento and you can't stop by her shop as regularly as I do. But you can find out more about Ginger and her products at gingerelizabeth.com. And you can also find her over on Instagram at gingerelizabeth. Over at creatingyourownpath.com, I will be linking up to everything we mentioned in today's show. And remember, if you enjoy this podcast, please take just a few minutes to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also share your favorite episode on social media or tell a friend about the show. Every time you do that, you are not only letting me know that you like what you hear, you are also growing our CYOP community. That's it for today. Thank you as always for listening. And I will catch you next week with the final episode of season three. 